opulent inventory our proud partners here on the show from iphones to macbooks to apple tv to apple watches to trade-ins and much more now you can have the apple product of your dreams visit opulent inventory on opulentinventory.com and on instagram my guy nash and guardy are the very best in the game to provide you the apple product of your dreams now let's get back to the show Podcast show. We are back, season five, episode three. Sebi, my co-host, the brother, the good, the good brother Sebi, could not be here with us today. He is down there in Florida, you know, weathering the storm, getting ready, uh, getting everybody, and getting the family straight uh, during the during the hurricanes and stuff like that. But have no fear, no worries at all. Mike is here. Your boy, Big Mike, is here, locked in, and I have a special guest with me today, none other than the fantasy football guru himself. Brother Brandon Tim, brother, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. And of course, you know, thoughts and prayers with Sebi and his uh, as they're going through the Hurricane Ian down there. Just want to give them a shout out. Hope everything goes well with them. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I'm not, I know he's down there leading, leading the charge, getting the family straight and everything like that. But yeah, we, we put in, in his honor. We're gonna make sure everything's right. We're we gonna, we gonna have a, a kick off a hell of a show. You know, and great things like that. And one of the things I want to start off with today um, is is having the fans get to know you a little bit better. Talk to me, Brandon, about what it is you do and what made what inspired you to tap into the fantasy football uh, lane. Uh, yeah. So, um, just I guess been playing fantasy football probably since high school. So shoot, like probably two thousand nine. Um, you, you remember those Facebook apps like Farmville and everything like that? Oh, yeah. Well, Facebook had an app that was for uh, fantasy specifically. And so, um, you know, just got on it with a bunch of random people and then, um, eventually started getting friends involved and, uh, you know, fantasy, I think at the core fantasy football, especially, you know, in, in the United States of America, football is kind of, it's kind of like a second religion for a lot of people. And it's just a great way to, you know, bring together have camaraderie um and uh you know just enjoy the game together and so you know you get in the leagues with your friends 
um, things get a little more intense. Uh, you start upping the stakes and uh, you start doing a lot more research. And, uh, you know, being a football fan, a lifelong football fan, uh, it just comes naturally to me. And, you know, I enjoy the the ins and outs of the game and all the details details that go into it. So fantasy football is just another way to nerd out on football. So yeah, that's kind of how I, uh, how I got into it. And then the podcast Avenue, um, I just saw an opportunity, uh, work with the guys at Phantom Sports Industries. Um, they're a good group there and, uh, looked like they needed some help in the fantasy football department. So I put my name in the hat and, uh, they told me start the show. And so, yeah, we've got things rolling for, uh, our first season this season. As as time went on throughout your journey and everything that you're going through right now, how important was the networking process in getting you to where you are now? Networking process? I mean, just having that good core group around you or just finding those communities around you that just enjoy the same things you do. And, you know, with the Internet now, it, you can connect with anybody anywhere. I mean, shoot, you can have a pot you can be in a fantasy league with people in the UK to Canada. So um, it's all about who you tap into on social media and the people get you plugged in because there's always people trying to start fantasy leagues all over the world. Nice. It's crazy because I, and I, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you, Brandon. I've always been intrigued with fantasy football. However, I never really played it for real. I played it one time, and it was last last football season. But I I, I didn't really finish it all, all the way through in the league that I was in. I, I couldn't really get all the way into it. But I've always been intrigued by it, and I've always been some. I've always been that one person that other people that love playing fantasy football will come to me for suggestions because of, because of the knowledge of the game and how how much I've been around football and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'm usually good at giving people suggestions on who to pick per week or who to bet on this, then the third and stuff like that. But I've never actually played it myself. Um, for 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 those out there that uh that, that play the game or, or have just started or anything like that, what are some tactical um advantages that you can uh, have in your favor when it comes to playing these leagues and knowing who to pick and stuff like that? Yeah, so being a fantasy football player or just you know somebody that wants to play fantasy football in general you got to be a fan of football first that that helps if you want to be like one of those really savvy uh one of those really savvy fantasy football nerds but um there's a lot of people that just do it casually too because they enjoy the camaraderie of it you know kind of like filling out your march madness bracket you've got some people that have been watching college basketball all year and some people that have never never heard of what a UMBC is in their life. So right. um, it, 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 you truly deal with, uh, you know, an eclectic bunch of people, but um, I'm, I apologize. I kind of went off tangent there, but no um, to be like, to be somebody who's, you know, to really kind of dig deep into fantasy, it's understanding positional advantages on the field, understanding the matchups, you know, the good defense versus the bad defenses and just knowing those different position groups and how they affect the ebbs and flows of the game. Like if we were to go back now, probably 10 years ago, the running back position in fantasy football was a lot more dominant than it is today. Mm -hmm. um, you look at like your Adrian Peterson's that just dominated the league. Um, Arian Foster's those guys were fantasy football legends for their respective teams back you know back in the day and now it's like 
you want your Cooper Cups, you want the guys getting all the receptions, Devontae Adams, and those guys get more touchdowns now than running backs because of the volatility of the running back position. You just can't be sure anymore. So it's truly the ebbs and flows of fantasy has evolved. And it, 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 you've got to kind of watch the trajectory of where the NFL offenses are going. And right now it's all about getting those wide receivers in space, um, getting those wide receivers set up for the touchdown plays. The, if you can find a dominant running back, I mean, you, you grab onto the Christian McCaffrey's and Jonathan Taylor's as much as you can, but they, there's no promising. They're going to even necessarily help you win a week, week in and week out as they've proven so far this season. If you drafted Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey with the top two picks this season, there's a chance that you're zero and three right now, just the way, you know, the first couple of weeks have gone in the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I could definitely see that. It's more of a passing league now, and exactly. the and the running backs league. You almost have to have to bank on a certain running back because because as you look year by year, you have different running backs who dominate and and look like the best running back per season each year. And then you know it's hard to find that running back that has that consistency that does it for year and year out, year in year out um, nowadays compared to back in the day. So I definitely see exactly. where you're coming from. Um, I, I'm sure you have a fantasy team now. On your on your team now, what are what what are what are some players that you're that 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 you're happy that you drafted that have been doing well, very well for you over these first three weeks? And what are what are you know a, a couple of players that you're like, oh man, they 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 really dropped the ball for me the, uh, um, so far. Yeah, so I did a couple of unconventional moves in some of my leagues here. Um, so I'm in about three different leagues. We have one league with our phantom group. And then I have, uh, you know, I'm in an ESPN league with some of my closest friends from high school. And then we actually just started our second season of a dynasty league where, um, you know, auction draft, you're doing rookie drafts. You're, you're basically playing GM in conjunction with fantasy football. So you're signing guys to contracts and all that fun stuff. So, um, so three different leagues right now, I would say my common denominators on a lot of my teams, the wide receivers that I really wanted to go after this season consisted of Justin Jefferson, Allen Robinson, uh, Christian Kirk. Um, let's see who else is there. Michael Pittman Mm. and Cortland Sutton. Those were my five. I was trying to look for a combination of those five wide receivers. And, um, and then for the running back position, I didn't have anybody that I was looking for particularly because I wasn't sure what the running back position was going to look like in the league as a whole this season. We have a lot of good rookies that were coming up. So I was looking for Brees Hall, for example. Um, I wasn't, I was looking for, um, I was just looking for a lot of youth in that position. So it ebbs and flows in terms of who I'm going to play at the running back position. So uh, some people are going to criticize me for that take, but I went ahead and I drafted Justin Jefferson second overall, because I just think he has that Cooper cup potential in that new Mm -hmm. offense that they're installing in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it obviously hasn't manifested itself the past two weeks, but week one against the Packers, boy, I'm a Packer fan and that one hurt to watch, but my fantasy team thanked me for it at the end of the week. That's for sure. Now, now let's let, let, let's step away from fantasy for a second and actually talk about what we've seen on the field so far. 
Well, you you talk about you know you're a Packers fan and 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 you and yeah week week one wasn't wasn't their best outing but they've they've come out strong especially defensively over these last two weeks and uh, and now they're two and one. What are some teams that have stood out to you the most um, over these first three weeks? Yeah, um, I mean I'd be lying if I w- wouldn't be saying you know Dolphins and Eagles um, been shocking the world. Um, I'm interested to see if. You know, we're we're recording this in the middle of this uh, Dolphins Bengals game. Tua just went down with right. that gruesome right. hit. That was that was bad looking. So, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of time left in this game, and Teddy Two Gloves can definitely get the job done when he needs to. Uh, so we'll see what happens in a pinch in this one. But yeah, I mean, those two teams, what they've been able to put together, the body of work so far has been impressive. Would I say Super Bowl for either of them? Not sure yet. I always like to, you know, one of our guys uh, um, from the Odds on Favorite podcast over on Phantom Sports uh, Industries, he, Robertson, and I were talking the other week, and we were saying, like, you really need a four-week sample size to really, like, kind of get a flavor of what to expect from each team. And then Robertson went on to say, you actually need, like, more like six to eight weeks to even figure out what these teams' identities even are. Um, and I would agree with that even more so because you really start to see these teams settle in and it's the NFL. It's a volatile game. Anything can happen any given Sunday, any given game, um, as we just witnessed with Tua here. So uh, it, it truly ebbs and flows throughout the season. But we'll we'll start to see things round out, I think, after this weekend in particular. And we'll be able to get a better idea, especially for the players who we can trust, you know, from a fantasy football perspective, even. I, 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 I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. I have a couple follow-up questions uh, to that. One is, um, what do you what do you think about uh, – we're, we're right now we're entering week four. Now that a lot of these starters don't play a lot of preseason games, I usually wait till about week three or week four to look for mm-hmm. the fluidity in their offense, defense, full – team package, special teams, everything. That's usually when most of these teams usually get the most continuity and chemistry with each other. Yep. Uh, now, nowadays, do, do, do you look at it that way as well? And and do you, do you, do you like, those first three weeks, it's kind of like a feel me out, and then you really start to see who and read between the lines and see who's really about it after about week four? Or or do you do you really lock in on those first three weeks and, um, and uh, it's no excuses for anybody? Well, I mean – Uh, The NFL has basically made those first three weeks no excuses for anybody. But, you know, internally with those teams, I'm sure that there's an element of the feeling out process. Like I can use the Packers, for example, that receiving core. uh, We didn't know what to expect from them. Um, I'm sure you could say that, you know, for a lot of other position groups, for a lot of other teams, you know, there's a lot of unknown, no unknowns. You, you only see what you can see in practice and, you know, it's, this preseason stuff, it's only going to get less and less because once collective bargaining happens next time around for these players and owners, I think that they're going to put in a uh, week 18 or, you know, start the season off with 18 games. And that first, uh, that first football weekend will probably be Labor Day weekend in, you know, the NFL can exist with college football all the same. There's nothing saying the NFL can't, play at the same time college football is right yeah i, I see that uh you, you you talked about Tua's injury and it was a gruesome injury uh, we saw a similar situation a similar type of fall 
uh, in, in the previous game in week three against the Buffalo Bills, where a lot of people speculated and thought that he allegedly had a concussion during that time. What do you think about this situation? And um, based off of what you saw in week three and the hit that you saw him take and his reaction when he got up, do you feel like he should have played four days later in this game? And or did, did Miami rush this? And uh, or 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 is just is it's just one of those situations where it just is you know something happened. So obviously these guys are football players. They're gonna want to play the tough card every time. But yeah. there's it's there's an element of it's the team's job to protect the players from themselves. You know, even if the player thinks that they're good to go, that's not necessarily what's best for the player. And you've probably read the stories of the different guys that have talked about since Thursday night football has been a thing in the league, how quick that turnaround from Sunday to Thursday goes like those guys get so much treatment throughout the week from Sunday to Sunday that to turn around and play Sunday and Thursday, no matter what time you play on Sunday, it's like, and these guys in Miami, they came up to Cincinnati early. So they weren't even sleeping in their own beds. They probably weren't getting the same type of treatments that they'd normally be getting at their own facilities. I think Miami rushed to a back. I don't, I understand they wanted to beat Buffalo, but they might've compromised having their starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Yeah. I, I see that as a real thing. And I, and I, I look at those two teams because to me, Brandon, that week three game we saw between the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins was such an elite game. It was it was almost a shame that we got it in week three because we got it we got it so early in the season. We didn't even get a chance for these guys to get into their full forms yet and then play each other. And it was still one of those crazy back and forth uh, uh, heavyweight fights. It was a special football game. Um, just 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 roller coaster ride of emotions. Um, when you look at those two teams, especially the Buffalo Bills, you know, I know they're injured in the secondary. They literally have four starters who are out with injuries right now. But to, to me, they are so loaded, so stacked. As far as the long game is concerned, to me, the Buffalo Bills are one of those teams I'm looking at as, okay, they might have some uh, some adverse situations throughout the regular season. But when it, when it all boils down to it, when playoff time arrives, I don't. When, 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 especially when they get certain players back, I don't know if there's an if there's another team out there that's as loaded, as stacked, as well coached, and um, as fundamentally sound as this team is. Now, the problem I have with the Buffalo Bills, as and, and this is the, this is really my only knock on them, is their inability to consistently run the football. They do a lot in the passing game, and Miami showed you uh, a formula when you shrink the field. Because Buffalo was doing a lot of dink and dunk to the running backs and checkdowns, uh, although they were getting positive yards, it wasn't it wasn't as dominant as those that, that week two performance is when they were spreading the ball around the field. When you shrink the floor, the, the the field on them, and you put you put them in a situation where they have to you know keep everything inside and that and right there, and they have to be patient within their drives. That that's a recipe for uh, uh for for success against them, and you take away the running game. Buffalo, uh, Josh Allen threw almost 60 passes in that game. To, to, to me, that's inexcusable. You have to be more balanced uh, in that regard. However, I, I, I just feel like this team, with the weapons that they have, I mean, they just, they're just they just unbelievable. And you see how they went out last year against Kansas City. If you're going to lose in the playoffs, I always said, that's one, that's one of the ways where you can almost say, well, what else can I do? I mean, Josh Allen didn't touch the ball after he scored the, what he thought was the game with a touchdown. So, to me, Buffalo 
is one of those teams that are right there. What, what do you think about what you've seen from the Bills so far? I like what I see from them, but I agree with all of your points that you're making. You know, it's similar to that Monday night game. The Giants were doing those same, not the same plays that Buffalo's doing. And I don't think Daniel Jones is anywhere near what Josh Allen is, but they were doing those dink and dunk plays and Micah Parsons was able to just come in and wreck them. Mm -hmm. And it looked good in the first quarter, but then as the game matured, they weren't able to do that. And it's the same with it's the same with Buffalo. Miami's defense is stout and they were mm-hmm. able to apply that pressure. And yeah, Devin Singletary finally had himself a great game for in terms of what a Buffalo running back has been capable of. But it just, you know, in terms of being able to hand the ball off to one of your backs and just pound the rock. Buffalo just doesn't seem to want to play that style of football. And I feel like you need to have some clock eaters uh, to help you win those games when it comes to those situations. Yeah, you definitely do. And I, that, that's that to, to me, if Buffalo doesn't make the Super Bowl or win it, that's going to be the reason why. Because to me, they're loaded and stacked and they check every mark in every other department. It, it's just it's just a loaded a loaded football team. However, they, if they run into another another elite team on any given Sunday, that's able to you know hone in on that that that, that could spell disaster for Buffalo. But I do believe that they'll be in the mix and they'll be in the conversation and they'll be right there with an opportunity oh, to hoist sure. that Lombardi jo- Trophy. Yeah, when they're it's in all the mix. Yeah, they're in the mix. Well, let me ask you something. What do sure. you think? What do you think about this Philadelphia Eagles team? Because to me. Their turnaround is it has been epic. It's amazing what you see from a quarterback like Jalen Hurts when he has a number one receiver. I mean, the improvements so far, I know it's only three weeks in, but the improvements so far within his uh, accuracy, within his game. I mean, I, we, we, saw, we saw the potential last year, but now you're starting to see the, the, you're starting to see the culmination of it with the weapons that he has, what, along with the way that this defense is playing. What have you? What are you seeing from the Philadelphia Eagles, and how special have they been? Any given guy on that offense could go off. Like yeah. we had, we had the Devontae Smith game um, against Washington, but I think we could have a Dallas Goddard game. Even you know, yeah. it, it's going to be a different guy every week for them. Um, obviously, it's it'll be any given offensive skill position player plus Jalen Hurts. That it, it, it the a combination of the two. Um, I've been very impressed with Jalen Hurts. You know, obviously, we all loved him in college, uh, watching him play for Alabama and then Oklahoma. And I think that Sirianni has really been able to unlock him in a way that he didn't have. Uh, that type of coaching before i i truly believe that i wasn't sure what to expect from him as a coach but he's he's found a way to um you know give jalen hurts the opportunities and the you know the organization has put the playmakers around him when going after aj brown the way they did um just you know adding those tools they've got three decent running backs that all can you know do a little bit of uh, a lot of work and obviously led by Miles Sanders. So um, yeah, the Eagles have a lot of potential and I think they might be the best team in the trenches too. They, the way their D line and O line plays, you just love to see those guys just not letting Jalen hurts get rattled. And then on the defensive side of the ball, what they did to Carson Wentz on Sunday, (laughs) that should, that, that, that was a tough look. And the commanders were looking 
decent. So um, it just goes to show, you know, uh, Carson Wentz still holding the ball too long, but that Philly D line is something special. Yeah, yeah, it is. And when you have a rotation like that, keep fresh guys yeah. on the field, it's just, it just makes it all better for you. And like Fletcher Cox, you, you have to feel for somebody like him who's been in the trenches with this team through the ups and downs, through the trial and errors. And now you have a, a formidable team that can get him to the big dance. I mean, it's, it's, it's special when you see guys like that ride it out and, and have an opportunity to win big. Uh, and that Philly, rookie, that rookie Jordan Davis, too. Oh, special. He's special. Special. One of the, one of the top picks. I, I, I love, I, I love, I love what I'm seeing from. I love what I'm seeing from that secondary as well. Brandon, I'm a Giants fan, and and, and me being a Giants fan, I I, I I I I didn't like us getting rid of Brad uh, uh, James Bradbury, but I didn't. But I I hated it even more that he went to the Philadelphia Eagles because now <laughs> you have somebody like him on the other side of what Darius Slay gives you. In oh, in man. this defensive system, with the weapons around him and, and and everything that they have going for him, he's gonna flourish and look like how he looked with us in his first season with the Giants. I truly believe that, and he's already off to a hell of a start so far. And they got Gardner Webb too. What oh, is man. This? oh man, 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 it's it, it's it's sick, man. Talk. I, I I actually want to talk to you about a team that. I don't believe a lot of people are talking about right now, and I think a lot of people gave up on them at the beginning of the season. But I actually believe that they're going to be in the mix, and they're actually going to uh, make some hay and, and, uh, and make some noise. And that's the Cleveland Browns. And the, the, the way, the reason why I'm saying the Cleveland Browns is because not only can they run the football, not only do they have a very good defense, but they have a comfortable backup quarterback in Jacoby Brissett who is this 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 situation that he's in right now taking over for a top quarterback this is no new situation for him he's been here before and he's a very wise brother off the off the field as well um J- Jacoby Brissett leading this team that right now they're 2 and 1 i believe that the Cleveland Browns are in a situation where through these first 11 games without Deshaun Watson, they can put themselves in a situation where they're over 500 and they have a a a a, a, a shot to get uh, to get into the playoffs and 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 potentially still win this division. To me, this division is still up in the air. You have the Baltimore Ravens uh, doing very well. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals are one and two, have a potential to win this game today. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we know what they look like. They they right now, to me, because of the how competitive the division is, I don't believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be right there. I believe they're going to be one of the bottom three or four teams in this division. Um, but to me, the Cleveland Browns are right there in the conversation um, to potentially make the playoffs. I think Baltimore might win this division, but the Cleveland Browns, what do you think about them um, and what Jacoby Brissett could potentially do in these 11 games until Deshaun Watson comes back? So here's my Jacoby Brissett uh, in a nutshell, what I've been thinking about the past couple of weeks. So last time we saw Jacoby Brissett play meaningful football was with the Indianapolis Colts. And I've just kind of been thinking, is Frank Reich a a problem for quarterbacks? Because Jacoby Brissett has been set up for success here in Cleveland. And Frank Reich, who is supposedly this quarterback whisperer, has now gone through how many quarterbacks already? And they just haven't panned out. So... Now we're seeing a sample size of quarterback of in Jacoby Brissett of a quarterback that moved on from, you know, being under Frank Reich and is now having success. He's actually hitting his receiver in Amari Cooper. And 
David and Joku, we were looking for that David and Joku game and we finally got it. So now I would say he's actually a viable fantasy start if that continues. Mm. Um, but Amari Cooper, you know, is a wide receiver that you'd want to play in fantasy right now. I want to see uh, Jacoby Brissett get a little more multi-dimensional, but that's why he's a backup quarterback, not a starter. So I, you'd want to see him get, you know, people's Jones more involved, um, just, you know, more Kareem Hunt in the, in that mix. But uh, I, obviously it's been impressive what he's been able to put together so far this season. And we'll be looking to see what else we have. We're going to get a, we're going to get a strong dose of Jacoby Brissett this season until Deshaun Watson comes back. Big time, big time. And look, look out for those Browns. They can really can make some noise. Brandon, let's, 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 let's get the, let's get the, air, uh, the, the, the cat out of the air. Is there quarterback controversy in Dallas? Is, is all this noise? Is, is this, is this just Jerry Jones being Jerry Jones in the media or is Cooper Rush, the, what you've seen from Cooper Rush in this small sample size, is 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 has he played well enough to be in a position to challenge Dak Prescott for the starting quarterback job at the Dallas Cowboys? Down in Jerry World, any news is good news as long as he's <laughs> allowed to talk. That's you know he, he's never shied away from a take. Um, I feel like he dreams of creating quarterback controversies. Uh, man, I just I I never understood why they hired Mike McCarthy in the first place. Um, I think that a lot of what happens in Dallas is on accident. I, I don't, I, I know that these, you know, these teams have very robust scouting departments and things like that, but I truly believe that they accidentally found Rush and found out he's a dude by having to play him for the way that they set Dak Prescott up for failure week in and week out. I, I, I don't know. I don't want Dak Prescott on my team anymore. I feel like we've seen enough and I I'm I want more of this Cooper Rush, whatever he's offering. And it's just, it's just a shame. It's a shame that Dak Prescott got put in the same situation now that Tony Romo yes. uh, you know, vice you know, vis-a-vis. Dak's gonna start when he comes back, obviously. He's gonna be the guy. He's proven that, but you know, you have to be looking over your shoulder with the success Cooper Rush has had. And you have to know that the rest of the league is, you know, looking at this as like, wait a second, this guy might be a dude. And who's to say, you know, if if I'm Jerry Jones, I want to hold on to Cooper Rush. But if Dak is the guy, I can't be keeping those two in the same room forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got to you got to figure something out. And and I, I'll say this, one of the things I I've, I've been impressed with with Cooper Rush and what I've seen is his ability to be assertive and aggressive and going yes. for the deep ball. I mean, that that's something that at times I've questioned and and seen Dak struggle with and 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 really being assertive and going for going for those shots. And um and and Cooper Rush, he just has no fear. None none at all. And 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 just being multidimensional, you see that they're for some reason, they have a uh, they have a confident identity identity with Cooper Rush is there a heavy balance of Zeke and play action and you know taking their shots when they need it but but still being able to run the football gain positive yard yardage I mean with with Dak it seems like they have questions of of do they want to be a passing team do they want to be a running team it just seems yeah. like it's too many questions when Dak is there 
and the 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 six or seven years that they've had this Dak Dak Prescott Zeke uh, Elliott combo, they've really struggled over these last six seven years to me, and and being consistent in their chemistry and and holding on to that identity and really finding what what gels with this team. I thought the rookie season they did a beautiful job of of having a, that great combination of both, but after mm-hmm. that, that's when you started to see. You know, everything started to tail in about, well, are we a running team? Are we a passing team? They struggled trying to go on both sides instead of sticking with what worked. And that's been the biggest problem to me with the Cowboys over this Dak and Zeke uh, experiment. Um, but who knows? Cooper Rush, the way he's looking, sometimes you need a, sometimes a, a fresh face of scenery uh, in the, within the offense, just somebody different. I mean, the, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of teams don't have film on Cooper Rush. Right now, that's you know, the, he's that, a, yep, that's, that's, the, the, that's the kicker. That's the biggest thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll really find out about Cooper Rush when it's all said and done. If he gets more starts and we start to see him in a, in a, in a, in a, in that situation more often when, uh, when defenses uh, can key on his weaknesses, but exactly, man, man, it's, uh, it's, it's with these wins that he's piling up, you know, even though it's a small sample size, it's already sparked the conversation. Did you think that the Giants really had a chance on Monday night? I was I, mean, actually, I, mean, I was impressed with what Dallas was able to put together. I thought the Giants would pull pull that one out. I to be honest with you, I didn't. And I'm a t- really? and as, as a Giants fan, I'm gonna tell you exactly why I didn't. I knew the moment to me in my head, the moment that we went to up two and zero and we lost to the Panthers and we we beat the Panthers, we were gonna lose to the Cowboys because to me, going into that game. We weren't. I don't. I didn't believe that we would be ready for that moment. Because sure. you got to understand the moment and the magnitude of everything at that time. Prime it was time. a home game in New York City. All the stars came out to watch us. We were two and zero. We were the hottest thing smoking, hottest thing walking out out there. Not only that, you had the atmosphere was out of this world crazy, and you had a situation where you had a Dallas Cowboy team coming in here where they already have some confidence. We're in Cooper Rush and beating the Cincinnati Bengals the week before. And also this, Brandon, they've been in high-level um, um, uh, primetime football games all the time. This is the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. They're always in these situations. They, sure. They're used to going up against the top teams in this situation. Now you're going up against a team in the New York Giants who's not even a great team, in my opinion. They're just a very good team and very well-coached team. Now you're going up against that team. To me, this was another walk in the park for the Cowboys, even with Cooper Rush at, at the helmet quarterback. They've been in too many moments, and I didn't believe my New York football giants would be ready to pull this one out. I knew we would be competitive in spurts and have a shot, but in order to win this game, I thought too much would have to go in our favor, and we would have to do it, pull, pull something out of the hat, and I knew we wouldn't be able to do it. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. No, I I was thinking that they had a chance. Just, you know, I really like Dable and what he's done there. Uh, I've been very impressed with, you know, the way he's been able to make the most out of a roster that, yes. you know, doesn't have a whole lot outside of Saquon. Yes. Um, so I'll be wa- I'll be watching the Giants uh, against the Bears this weekend to see yes. what they, you know, what they can continue keep to do because um I I have a it's funny because I have a little um you know, wager with the Chicago Bears being the Packers rival and all. I, w- I want to see Justin Fields get more than 20 uh, pass opportunities in a game, which hasn't happened mm. yet this season. So uh, I, ju- I just, you know, I just laugh every time I see the Bears, um, you know, fold into their own ways and not let Justin Fields get 
more opportunities to throw the ball. So it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny watching them week in and week out continue to, you know, <laughs> just be inefficient, even though they're coming out with wins. Yeah. Yeah. It just shows you how, how grounded they are around. They Remember, Brandon, they still got that defense. Yep. That defense might not be as formidable as they were in the Khalil Mack days and, you know, early on when Eddie Jackson first got there and stuff like that. But they still have Roquan Smith. Eddie Jackson is still there. They still have some players yeah. um, leading the charge. This is this is still a formidable defense. And to me, they're leading the charge in the reason why they're 2-1 they're and one right now, more so than what the offense is bringing. Justin Fields, to me, is managing the games very well. I've been very impressed with what I've seen in spurts, and he's not losing games for them. He's, he's putting them in positions where they, they have a lead and he's keeping the lead and he's holding on to it uh, no matter what the, what the case may be. But to me, uh, Brandon, I want to ask you this because I've struggled, I've struggled with believing that my New York football giants can have continued real supreme success with Daniel Jones at the helm at quarterback. I just don't believe that's also one of the reasons why I felt we were going to lose because I thought Cooper Rush was going to have a better performance than Daniel Jones. I'm going to be quite honest with you. One of my biggest gripes with Daniel Jones at the quarterback position is that he doesn't go through his progressions long enough. I understand that the offensive line hasn't been that great in his time here in New York. At the same time, he's allowed that to get into his head so much that if the first option is not there, he's automatically looking to tuck and run. There's no progression. There's no looking down the field. There's no, there's no unpredictability within his game. There might be unpredictable, unpredictable play calling and plays and guys down the field. However, you won't see, you won't see Jones go, go through the progressions long enough to find them. And that, to me, is the biggest problem I have with him. You saw it early on in his rookie season. But as as we've gotten from his second season on to now, he just he just continued to show you the same old Daniel Jones, and it, it frustrates us because this is the man that we took at the sixth pick overall in the draft. And to me, I don't believe this team is going to reach its full potential with Daniel Jones at, at at the starting quarterback. What do you think about that? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the wasn't the reason for Daniel Jones getting drafted that early by the Giants was just because he had a passing coach that was close with the Mannings? Yes, Daniel, Daniel Jones used to run, the, used to do the, um, the 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 Duke camps. The you know you know sure. you know Eli and Peyton used to go back yep. to the summers every year at Duke University and run the quarterback camps. Yep. And Daniel Jones was one of the guys obviously playing there who was you know they was very they were very impressed with. Sure, and, but you know, but so. he ran, but he didn't run anything near a pro style offense in college at all. Yeah. that's why like it, it, the offenses that he ran at Duke would have been like a you know kind of like that mesh air raid stuff that you know that's kind of you know nuanced and it looks cool, but boy, when you have to play real, you have to play some real football or you know some real athletes that can guard that stuff up. It, it just don't even translate well. Um, it, 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 I didn't. I just don't – he just didn't have the body of work, and I think that is what we're seeing manifest itself in, you know, in his professional career. I don't anticipate him having a long shelf life as a starter. I do think that New York Giants will look for greener pastures elsewhere, yeah. um, although I think you will have to endure this season with him. Yeah. I think that different options will be explored in the coming uh, 
in the coming months. That's for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I believe it because I I do believe in what Brian Dable and this team is bringing. I don't like a couple. Of, I do think he had a couple of coaching errors against the Cowboys, but that's normal. That's that that's to oh, be yeah. expected. It's still early. It's, I'm not I'm not holding that against them. However, I do love the culture's change and the energy the and the energy surrounding the New York Giants franchise right now, based on this new um this new coaching staff and this new. Uh, regime that we have. Um, I, I do love the energy in, in the building. I just got. I just believe Jones has to go. Let's oh, trip, yeah. You got to get a little more, a couple. You know, you got to trim off uh, some more dead weight too, and then I think you guys could be in a lot better position. That's for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Let's let's translate over to the NBA. We just we just had we just had media day uh, uh, for the past few days. A lot of teams have you know have talked to the media. Some, some for the first time all summer. You know, we're hearing, hearing, hearing everybody give, give their sides of the stories. This summer, to me, in the NBA, has been a lot of media speculation. There's been a lot of um, uh, drama, drama in the news and uh, just rumors being passed around without a lot of these players and coaches really saying anything. Now this was an opportunity for guys to, you know, address, address certain issues, address certain situations that went on during the summer. And uh, and and we we heard a lot. I mean, if, if you want to, you know, from you know the the Phoenix Suns, you know, Chris Paul and certain Monty Williams and certain players addressing the Robert Sarver situation, from the Boston Celtics players and um, and, and other other coaches and GMs addressing the Ime Udoka uh, situation that happened within that organization, uh, the Brooklyn Nets with uh, the KD and Kyrie, uh, Ben Simmons, uh, you know, T.J. Warren, all these guys. Everything, everything, the Steve Nash and everything situation, KD requesting a trade um, and, and, and things of that nature, uh, them, them having a man-to-man conversation coming in and then rescinding the trade. And now, and, and now it's locked in, you know, with the Nets. The, there's just so many storylines that, that stand out to me. What was, what, what was, what was something that, that really hit home with you uh, within media day and, and, and some of the responses to all the media speculation from the summer? All right, so let's start with the hottest of the hot right now, the Boston Celtics. Um, that situation, clear, clearly, um, you know, we we don't know what happened, mm-hmm. but um, a line was crossed somewhere. Um, Ime Adoka did something he was not supposed to do, um, but due to it being a one-year suspension, I just think that Brad Stevens didn't know what to do. And so he, but he knew that Ime Udoka could not be in the building due to the circumstances. We, I don't know if we'll ever get the full story, but based on the results of the action, best thing we can say is a line was crossed. And I don't like hearing all of these tabloids try to, you know, go on this witch hunt to see who was all involved in the situation. It's not healthy for anybody. It's nobody's business except for the two adults that were involved. And outside of that, the only thing we should take away from this is that there is a professional line that was crossed that wasn't supposed to be crossed. And that's all we can say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Big time, big time. And to me, the subjects did a horrible job um, and, and getting this story out into exactly. the public. To me, this is something that you keep in house because you weren't firing him. This he was suspended for a season, so you keep you keep something like this, and you figure something you, you figure this out 
in-house because he's still within the organization. And if you're not going to disclose uh, the, the entire story, you shouldn't have disclosed any of it, so in, in, my, in my view. So, exactly. so to me, the Boston Celtics as an organization did a terrible job in having this story get leaked out as far as, you know, just being just that, that camaraderie within your organization. They, they failed in that department as well. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for a lot of you hear a lot of people say that what happened is a common thing. But the, but at the same time, at the same time, this is this is something that, you know, you you, you hear you you've heard stories about these in the past, and oh, they have, sure. and, and, and and I'm sure there's plenty of other stories that haven't come out as well. So the timing of this, uh, this situation with with Ime, it has a lot of people asking many of questions, and um, that that's all I'm gonna say about it. And there, when Sebi comes back next week, I'm gonna dive deep yeah. a little more, especially especially once we get more information because as you see as time has gone on in this story a lot a lot more information has come out and the the reaction and the um the draw that a lot of people had early on um you know when this story first came out a lot of people had to resend and retract what they said once more information came out so what i've learned with the situations like this and situations very similar to it is that you know speaking early can really hurt you so be being in a situation, being in a situation like this, developing more facts and developing more information. I let let letting this thing play out and letting time time uh, take care of everything. I do believe um, we'll we'll know more and and th- th- this this will definitely blow by. No, it's incredible the amount of clarity that we can find when we when we let things you know when we let time settle <laughs> it. You know, yeah. it, Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah, big, big, big time, man. Uh, uh, what do you talk to me about the Brooklyn Nets, and what do you think about you know the, everything that's gone on with them this summer? Um, you know, we know Katie, Kevin Durant, he requested a trade um, um, about midsummer, early, early in the summertime, and then uh, you know he he eventually rescinded the trade. They said he had a meeting with uh, Steve Nash, uh, Sean Marks, Sai, and everybody in LA and they actually had a man to man conversation and they hashed things out and um you know uh and, and they came back to me that's one of the that's a beautiful sign in and of itself because it shows that men can have disagreements, men can have problems and men can also talk things out and come to solutions and find a way to find a way to make things work. I love that aspect of, of, of the whole situation of of, the, of them, you know, being able to find a, a common ground and make things work. What do you think about what what transpired or within the entire Brooklyn Nets organization and everything uh, to where we stand now. Well, how refreshing is it for an organization to be transparent with a player and basically tell the player, we don't have a good trading option for <laughs> your equivalent. It, like, why why can't we get that more often? I feel like if that was just said straight out with some of these, you know, crazy trades that happen, it, I feel like there's a there's a number of players that might and, and agents that might be more understanding to that situation and you know, just play out you know a contract or you know play play to the opt out in these NBA contracts that have 20 different propositions. So it, I I guess I get it. I at the same time though, like KD, I th- I think he sees his. I think he sees his uh, time as an NBA player. His days are numbered. He's not, you know, he's not as young as he once was. And he just wants to be in a position to win. And I think that there's an element of what him and Kyrie did 
they mm-hmm. kind of did it to themselves. And the Nets did, you know, whatever they bid and whatever they begged and asked for. And, you know, at some point, it's your bed. You have to lie in it. And there's no James Harden, Ben Simmons. You know, there there isn't anybody that's going to come and save you. Uh, it was abysmal watching them the couple of seasons with all the, you know, offensive power and all-stars they had on their team. Yeah, yeah, not being able to get 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 those guys locked in uh, for at least one full season. I mean that 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 had to be one of the biggest selling points that Sean Marks, Nash, and Cy had when they had a meeting with KD and, and talked to him because um, they they the, those guys are too great not to be able to see what they what they could potentially do and throughout a full season, you no know, you no know, through a full playoff run, uh, getting getting in that getting in that form, uh, reaching that level. Uh, it's just sky's the limit with the with the guys with 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 this type of skill set on the court. It's just it's, it's too special. And then then when you have Ben Simmons coming back, he seems like he's a hundred percent ready to go. But you're hearing rumblings about T.J. Warren not being cleared to play or being or not even being evaluated uh, to play until potentially November. So he's gonna miss the first part of the season. Uh, do you see a situation? where the Brooklyn Nets might potentially go after Carmelo Anthony at that small forward spot? I I don't know why you would do that. I mean, I understand that it's Carmelo, but that would that what what difference would that be? You know, you're just chasing another name. Mm. Um I mean, it, it would be no different than having Blake Griffin on the team. I mean, what what what, what would Carmelo bring to the roster just out of curiosity? Well, to me to me Car- Carmelo Carmelo would bring more of an off, more offensive firepower off the bench than what Blake Griffin gave you. Now, sure. granted, granted, Blake Griffin last year didn't play a lot throughout the regular season. More so, got in a few times throughout the playoffs. And and during his stint with the Nets the last couple of years, that's usually when he's got his most playing time. However, to me, offensively, he just brings a little a lot more to you. He's a, he's another floor spacer and off the bench. What he brings to you offensively, you don't really, you're not, you're not, you're not counting on him to be the best on the other side of the ball. But that offensive sure. firepower, that 15 points a game that he can bring you off the bench, especially if, uh, you know, you know, to spell for the time that T.J. Warren's out, that 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 can bode huge for you. And he's a big time, big shot maker. So in playoff situations, who's to say he can't be in that fourth quarter lineup with Katie and Kyrie and Ben Simmons and those guys? But is he a rotation player in today's NBA anymore? To, like to to me to me he is. Okay. I saw I I know what I, I I actually love what I saw from Carmelo Anthony that first that first few months of the season with the Lakers this past year. He, to me he was one of the bright spots uh, on that team coming off the bench. I mean he was offensively in, in sync. He was sharp. He was getting to his spots still. And the only way you really stop Carmelo Anthony from scoring the basketball is by keeping him on the bench and taking him off the court. If he's on the court, there's nothing you can do with stopping him, even going into year 20. To me, he's that much of an offensive firepower. So uh, I'm not saying he's the Carmelo Anthony of old, but yeah. when you're when you're that much of a bucket getter, that skill set and that and that arsenal just doesn't go away. It continues to, you know, it's it's still sharp over time. All right, all right, I'll I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna believe it when I see it. But I trust <laughs> your take. No, I I I saw what he did with the Lakers last year, and he was definitely one of the brighter spots on that roster. Um, that's an interesting situation in L.A. too. Yeah. Uh, 
I I really don't want to touch on the Lakers because I'm not really a LeBron guy. But if you want to talk about them, I'm yeah, fair game. You, you know that was my next that was my next question, man. Um, I, the, the Lakers and everything they got going on. There's been a lot of hoopla surrounding this offseason with Russell Westbrook. What it what is it? Whether or not he's still going to be on the team? Is he going to be traded? There were there aren't there aren't teams that are willing to you know to bite the bite the bullet on that second first round pick. Uh, you know, in order to get in order to get Russ and things of that nature, uh, that we've seen the Pacers in the mix at points, the Jazz were in the mix at points, the Hornets obviously early on, um, before the Miles Bridges situation, we 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 we've seen some teams, but but all in all, um, Russell Westbrook looks like as as of now that he will start this season and play this year with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, what's your what's your take on the Lakers? I know you said you're not a LeBron guy. Um, but what's your take on the Lakers and, and what what they could potentially look like this season coming off that abysmal uh, 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 season they had last year? All right, all right, all right. So I'm not a LeBron guy. I'm not an L.A. Laker guy, but I am a Darvin Ham guy. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan. So Darvin Ham, uh, he's been he was a great coach for the Bucks, and I was I was very um, impressed that the Lakers identified that. And they went after him to coach them as opposed to some of the other names that were getting thrown around. Um, one thing that I like about Darvin Ham is that, you know, he restores order to the locker room. He doesn't let the superstars get too big of egos in the way. Um, I hope that LeBron lets him do his thing because I think if LeBron can take a backseat to the coaching and to Palinka, I think that they have potential but LeBron has to be a part of the plan and not try to create his own plan. Mm. Him and LeBron and Clutch really went off on a whim saying what they said at All-Star Weekend last year about Cleveland. I thought that was very strange, and I think that LeBron might have been a little bit out of line. And I think that the Lakers probably sat him down and talked about that when he resigned that when he you know resigned with them yeah. this offseason. You know the, the um, you know. But the Bus family and LeBron, I think, are in lockstep now for the vision of the Lakers. And I don't think we're going to see that, um, you know, LeBron talking about, you know, wanting to get traded or anything like that anymore. Now, will the Lakers try to make a package or something with Russell Wilson or not Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook? Yeah. Probably um, they they but they have to have like a couple first, second round picks included with him. Otherwise, the juice isn't worth the squeeze for another team to take uh, Westbrook on, especially when Westbrook's not even promising he's going to show up. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I I agree. You make some valid points about the situation. I remember when that video came out, and I remember saying, oh, wow, I, don't, I wonder how this is going to spill out, you know, behind the scenes when it's all said and done with the yeah. organization that he plays with. So, yeah, yeah you, you, I'm, I'm sure there was a conversation behind the closed doors to be had. To me, I do believe that uh, the Lakers will obviously they'll look better than last season. I mean, you can only go butt up from from the performances that they put out put out there last year. But I think they're going to look better in a more dynamic way as long as they can stay healthy. When Absolutely. you when they got younger, they got rid of some of the older vets on the team, and they actually got some young core defensive pieces in this and uh, in, in on this roster. I like the addition of Lonnie Walker the third. I like Juan Toscano Anderson for what he brings on the defensive side. Uh, this to me, this team has some pieces, uh, some young core pieces 
uh, to really, to really, um, you know, j- just make some hay. And then obviously they're going to, to me, they're going to go as far as the big three takes them. You know, and that's what they're going to carry and ride their way. But they're obviously going to look better. To me, they're going to hold each other. Obviously, Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook in the same locker room together. They're, they're, that's a situation where guys are going to be held accountable to the highest order. And, and when you have the talent of an Anthony Davis, uh, a LeBron James, Russell Westbrook in that locker room, but then you add that with the accountability of a Darwin Ham at the head coaching spot, uh, Patrick Beverly on the court in that locker room with you guys. To me, that's just too much. That's too much discipline and too much grounding for this team not to make it, make hay, and really make noise this year. So I, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. And once LeBron James and AD get into the playoffs, uh, uh, barring injuries, I just you know we'll, we'll 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 see how far they can go. You said it there, barring injury though. Yeah, that's the biggest key. That's the biggest key. And I know a lot of people have that. that I have that same notion as well. But to me, I, th- I believe that he's, he's, taken, he's, he's taken this offseason a lot more serious than he may have taken the previous two since the championship run. I, I, I just I love the, the, uh, what I've seen so far uh, in the offseason, the workouts, the getting your body right and everything like that. So I, I, I believe Anthony Davis is going to be much more durable this year than he's been in the past. All right. Can I tell you a couple teams that I'm excited to see? Talk in to the me. NBA? Talk to Cle- me. What, what, uh, uh, so Cleveland. Okay. That trade that they made for Donovan Mitchell, that came out of nowhere, I thought. I mean, yeah. obviously, we, we knew that Danny Ainge was going to do his Danny Ainge thing when he got in that front office with the Jazz, but I didn't know it was going to be, uh, it wasn't even necessarily a fire sale, but man, is he just, he's just, tactical in all of his trades like to get his return on gobert and then to deal mitchell to cleveland now i i'm saying that you know i think minnesota with gobert is gonna they're gonna struggle because that's a lot of you know they really clogged the paint for anthony edwards unfortunately with that trade i i feel Um, and and they gave up a pretty good piece there i i think it was was vanderbilt in that trade yes he was Oh yes, man, was. why would you give that guy up? Bad move. That 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 was a that was a that was a rookie owner move by A Rod and company there to get rid of a guy like <laughs> Vanderbilt. Um, and then, so for the Cle- the Cleveland side of it though, I think Donovan Mitchell is exciting with that group just because of what he brings and just the youth of that core with Garland and I- I'm just it it could be very exciting uh, with what they have there. I'm excited for Cleveland. And then um, uh, and then I'm just going to put in my Milwaukee Bucks two cents. Um, it's going to be an interesting year. Um, mm. I'm, I'm excited for when uh, Joe Ingles gets healthy because yes. um, that's going to be exciting uh, to see teams have to react to uh, Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, and Joe Ingles because I think there's going to be a lot of pissed off teams with those three in a lineup together. I don't know if I'll see it, but if it happens – I think there's going to be fisticuffs and it's going to be hilarious, but um, we're obviously looking at Chris Middleton, um, you know, he had surgery this off season and he's in contract negotiations. He's on his, uh, his bigger part of the deal with the bucks. Um, it'll be interesting to see how those negotiations go. Obviously Milwaukee probably wants him to, you know, stay a buck for the rest of his career, but we all know how those things go. And 
hopefully they can uh, they can come to an agreement. And you know, Giannis is going to do Giannis's thing. Uh, he got a little banged up during Eurobasket, so I don't expect to see him so much at the beginning of the season with some load management things. But um, outside of that, I think Milwaukee's poised to go on a run in the East again this year. I agree with you. Milwaukee, to me, is still the team to beat in the East. They have the best player in the world in Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's the most uh, dominant player in the game today. And and also, not, not only that, to me, they kept their, major- their core intact. They yep. kept it. Obviously, Drew Holiday still there, but they kept. They re-signed Bobby Portis, and then they, they kept Serge Ibaka, Grayson Allen is still there, Brooke Lopez still there. Guys, these guys are still locked in. And Javon and, Carter, J- Javon Carter, Javon Carter. I, I like him on the defensive side, and he's getting he's gotten better over the years at, at his efficiency from the three point range. And the the addition of Joe Ingles is special. Let me give you an unsung hero and a and a sleeper play. Milwaukee Bucks team that I think he's going to wake up a lot of people this year. That young brother Marjan Bocamp. I like what I see from him. A lot of people don't know about him. He, I, mm-hmm. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he, if I'm not, please correct me if I'm wrong, bro. No, go for it. He had some time. He had some time with the Charlotte uh, 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 Hornets, if I'm not mistaken, before he got to Milwaukee. He did. Um, oh. if, if I'm not mistaken, I, I could have sworn I, I seen him in a, a, a Charlotte Hornets uniform. I could be wrong with that. But however, however the case may be, the this man's game and build has gotten stronger over the years, and this year I believe he's going to take that next step into showing people how how really good of a basketball player he is. Marge, watch out for Marjan Bocamp. Uh, I think, especially in that Bucks team, that's going to hold him accountable and get and get the best out of him. He's going to get some playing time and he's going to make some noise this year. The was Bucks he, are going to. Was he? What did he like? Do something with the Hornets as like a tryout thing because he was in the G League Elite team last year. And which G League Elite team did he play for? He played for the one with the guys that aren't necessarily signed to a team yet because he was just drafted. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I I could I, I could have got him mixed up with another, with another sure. player. But, well, but I, I, I saw I saw a lot sure. of him over the summer in pro-am runs and, you know, workout videos and stuff like that. Mm, and just, it's yeah. something about the maturity they, in his yeah. game. So it's he not, was, yeah, he did play a lot of pro-am games in Seattle and stuff. Cause he is yes. from that. He's from Washington. So um, yeah, he would have been in some of those. And then, um, Oh, Sandro, uh, Sandro Mamo Mishavili, however you want to say that. Yes. Um, he, he, Seton Hall's finest. Yes. Um, he uh he had a great uh summer league and he was the top player for the Georgia national team at Eurobasket. So um I'm I'm excited to see him play. He's going to be getting a lot of playing time early uh with some of these uh vets sitting out some of the early games probably for Milwaukee. I like the I like the Bucks a lot. I think they're going to make a make some big time noise. To your Cleveland point, uh the Cleveland the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be one of the more young fun teams to watch. To Absolutely. me, to me, last year, Brandon, um, or, or, or going into this offseason, I had questions about how good Cleveland could be because, to me, they were transitioning from being the hunter to the hunted this upcoming season. They woke a lot of people up last year with how mm-hmm. they played and, and how they snuck up on the first 30, 35 games of the year. And now this year coming in, a whole new year to set in, now you're going to be in a similar situation the New York Knicks were in last season, being the hunted. And now, and now, how are you going to respond to that? To me, I question how I question the um, the 
I questioned how well they were going to be able to play, especially early on with Karis LeVert being their second-best perimeter player. I love Karis LeVert. I think Karis LeVert is one of the more underrated shooting guards in this league. However, him being the the starting two-guard, I don't believe that spells championship or Eastern Conference Finals um, um, that that Darius Garland was talking in some of the interviews that he had over the summertime when he was talking about this upcoming season. So with that, you had a situation where, you know, people thought Donovan Mitchell was going to the Knicks. R.J. Barrett um, signed that contract. Um, Donovan Mitchell wasn't going. R.J. Barrett signed that contract on that Monday, and then he gets traded to the uh, the Cavaliers, I believe, either that Tuesday or Wednesday. This was a huge move to me because of what I just mentioned about Karis LeVert. I believe Karis LeVert, as a starter, isn't a championship-quality backcourt. But I do believe that with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, and you have someone like Karis LeVert coming off the bench, that's I believe that's, that's something different. That's special to me. Because him in that position, I believe Karis LeVert is going to be in a six-man-of-the-year conversation this year. With the combination of his play and the fact that Cleveland is going to be in the win column, I see them somewhere in the top four seed in the East. That's that's somewhere where I have Cleveland. And I believe the Donovan Mitchell trade was phenomenal because you're going into a season where you're about to be the hunted and you just geared up and got more firepower on your side. Absolutely. No, I agree 100% with what you said, too. And, you know, Darius Garland he'll, and Donovan Mitchell, if they can develop a good you know, pick and pop game, you know, Donovan Mitchell is not afraid to go after those rebounds when those shots get up there. Darius Garland, you know, he likes to, he likes to play around the perimeter, but neither of them are afraid to go inside either. So it'll be exciting to watch. That's for sure. And you know, 100%, man, I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly excited to see um, what, what Mitchell looks like in this role, how, how Cleveland responds and what Baker staff is able to put together with this squad. It's going to be fun to watch. I want to actually, I want to actually put some, uh, uh, give some pushback to your Minnesota take because sure. I actually believe that Minnesota is going to be very good this year. And I, it's not, it's not more so offensively from what you brought up with Anthony Edwards. It's more so defensively because to me, when you have a situation like Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns on the same team. You may shrink the offense uh, on one side of the ball, and Anthony Edwards might have a harder time getting to the rack uh, consistently as he used to. However, I do believe defensively, you turn into you turn into a wall in the paint, and you really shrink the floor for other for opposing offenses, and you make it tough for them in the half court set and playoff situations when you know the game slows down. That to me is Minnesota's uh, golden ticket and their time to shine with this signing that they have. That. Minnesota's signing of Rudy Gobert is 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 a defensive signing to me, and it's going to pack the paint inside. And I believe Minnesota is going to have some success when they get to the playoffs against key opponents. Um, and teams are going to have a very hard time getting to the paint on the squad. Yeah, but if you're Golden State, it don't matter who you pack in the paint. Hmm. It, that's true. However, I would say this. Minnesota also has perimeter cats that can boogie on the outside as well. Now, you can't yeah. stop Golden State. You can't stop. Golden State is one of those juggernaut teams. I don't believe that Minnesota can beat a Golden State team. But I mm-hmm. do believe that they can, they can give 
and make it hard and make it a very difficult for a lot of teams in the Western Conference. Even to me, even one of the dark horse teams in the Western Conference to me and my team coming out of the West going to the finals this year, and that's the L.A. Clippers. I believe if the L.A. Clippers were able to find a way to go against the Minnesota Timberwolves, that yep. would be a, a physical, tough matchup for the Clippers to get out of. I, I it, believe the Clippers would, be. would win. But, man, will you see it hard for Kawhi, PG, Wall, and these guys, they will get challenged in the paint big time. Yeah. No, I could see that being a compromising matchup for that team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think about uh, the Dallas Mavericks? Uh, to me, is Luka Doncic going to take – uh, um, is he is he going to continue to uh, ascend, or is he going to is he is he going to continue to play this role of you know dominating the ball, being the main focal point of the offense in Dallas, and um, or are we going to see a situation where they start to implement the other guys and really um, not necessarily take the ball out of Luka's hands a lot, but spread become more unpredictable within their offensive flow and their system. And uh, and really first, do you see a situation where Luka Doncic can do that, or is is this is what you see with Luka what you get? I mean, there's always opportunities for guys to continue to improve. Um, in regards to Luka, I mean, he's kind of the focal point. Um, I where else do you see it coming from? I guess. Uh, I mean, they've got some guys that can score, but. None to the caliber of Luca. I mean, they got who? Christian Woods, Davies Bertans, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, yeah, Dinwiddie. Hardaway uh, Junior coming back off injury. Yeah. Dinwiddie's pretty ball dominant though, and so is Luca. That's gonna yeah. be that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be problematic for those two, in at the same time at least. Luca yeah. needs Luca needs kind of like the Giannis situation where you have a bunch of guys that can play off ball. So that Luca has the, you know, kind of the creative freedom to do what he needs to do. And then everybody else, you know, kind of be able to not necessarily stand off, but be able to cut to where Luca's going to go to fill those open gaps and, um, you know, be able to knock down shots. They need more shot creation around him, I feel like. And we'll see what happens. I mean, it's a long season and I know Reggie Bullock can knock him down, but they could really use some more shot makers on that team, I feel like. To me, the best example of what you just mentioned was that series against the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. That was that was probably the most efficient um, performance from in an entire series that I've seen from Luka Doncic as far as not only getting his – and, but being able to pick his spots of when to, you know, get guys going, get the ball to, to his guys in their spots, and also take over when when need be. That would that Phoenix Sun series was a perfect example yeah. of that, and I do believe that he can duplicate that and have series like that in the future, because him in this takeover role, he almost to me he has a similar, he's in a similar situation and has a similar system style to what LeBron James was when he first yeah. came in, as far as, you know, just everything revolving around him. However, the difference between him and LeBron, especially early on in his career, is his ability to shoot the ball and be able to, you know, knock down shots from the perimeter on a consistent, more consistent basis than what LeBron James did coming into the NBA. And I think that, and, and not only that, I think that can potentially take him somewhere 
um, where we may not have seen, especially early on, it, that that could potentially get him over the hump where he sneaks to a finals one year or something like that. I just think he needs somebody kind of like a CJ McCollum around him, you know, somebody mm. who can play with the ball and without it that, you know, can also score over 20 a game night in and night out. Mm -hmm. I just, there's, you know, I know that these guys are also NBA players in their own right, but if, you know, if I have a defensive team, I'm not as intimidated by some of these guys as I would be other lineups beyond the perimeter. Um, you know, we'll see what happens down the line. But, you know, similar to LeBron needing, you know, Dwayne Wade to, you know, get him his first ring, I think Luka needs another, you know, kind of like veteran type player to, you know, run with him as opposed to like, oh, I got back because Luka's going to do his thing. Like he needs a running partner, not, you know, not some of these guys that, uh, you know, Dallas has brought in, you know, you, you do need these guys, but I still think they're missing a piece to really be like that juggernaut that you'd be looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could definitely, I could definitely see that, man. Well, it's, 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 all, it's almost, it's almost, it's almost there, but, but you'll you mm -hmm. never, you'll, 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 you'll see, you'll, you see the progressions because Jason Kidd, is doing a hell of a job, especially on the defensive side of the ball for that team. I haven't seen a, a Mavericks team play that solid defense in a while. Sure. It's, been, it's, been, it's, been, it's been strong. So I, I do believe on that side of the ball, they have some things going. Um, transitioning to the Clippers real quick before we get out of here. The L.A. Clippers, like I mentioned earlier to me, are, are, is, a, is, a, is a dark horse team to make it to the NBA Finals. Uh, they are so loaded, in my opinion. The only the, the, they 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 have a deep bench, a deep roster, and they're and they're top heavy with their with their top guys, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and John. Now at the point guard position, coming in this summer, man, I, what what do you think about the LA Clippers this season, and what is their ceiling? Embarrassment of riches when you have the richest owner in the NBA. Um, it's they are poised as an organization to go places. Um, is it with this roster? I'm not necessarily sure. I think that the infrastructure is there. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, this is, you know, I feel like we get like different phases of Kawhi. So is this going to be like a championship run phase for Kawhi? Or is this going to be, uh, you know, oh, get injured again, Kawhi? Uh, they've put the right pieces there. Um to succeed, I'm I'm questioning it a little bit. I'll have to be, I'll have to see it to believe it. If that makes sense, yeah. it's not that they don't have potential. I mean, Robert Covington. Now there's a guy that could run with Luca. Mm -hmm. uh, that's yeah. I mean, Terrence Mann was one of the more impressive breakout guys. Yes. I thought last season too. Um, I got Norman Powell too. So. There's a, there's potential here. Uh, you know, I, I, we all know that Paul George is going to have his time. Kawhi Leonard is going to have his his time. But it's like, what are these guys around them going to do to help really elevate them? Um, that's truly what makes the great team stand out. Um, they have the pieces. The question is, will it all translate out on the court? Um, I I do really like uh, their coach, who's. I've, I've heard his name escapes my mind. Uh, LeBron's old coach, but yeah, um, yeah, you you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, I feel like an idiot. You know, he had this. Who is it that stepped over him? Allen Iverson. Tyron Lue. 
Tyron Lue, that's it. Yep. Tyron Lue has proven to be able to put the right lineup on the court um, consistently for this team. Um, as we especially saw that last year when they made that run and they didn't really have a whole lot going for them. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you got to think that that's going to translate well, especially once they reintegrate uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, I'm in- anxious to see what uh, John Wall looks like. We haven't really seen much from him the past couple seasons, so um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as, as someone who's a big time Wizards fan, grew up in DC, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, John Wall. I, I believe you're going to get such a motivated John Wall who still has a lot to give to this game, and the fact that he's in a situation where he's going to major for majority of the time and majority games, he's going to be guarded by the third best defender on the team. Mm-hmm. To me, that that to me, and, and he's mad. That's a recipe for success and uh, uh, for the Clippers. And I, I believe you're going to get get a special version of John Wall who still has a lot to give and um, on any given night can look like one of the best players on the floor. Is he mad because of his previous situations or because he gets hurt? He's mad because he's, he's – he's, he, when, I, when I say mad, I mean he's he, he feels like he's – these last couple years he should have been playing. Sure. And a lot of and, and that that last season in Houston, you know he won, he wanted to play, but the Houston Rockets did not want to take the chance on him getting hurt and losing the asset that's already was what forty four million dollars mm-hmm. a season. And so the, that with that situation of itself, you had a situation where he lost his grandmother. He um, sure. you know, I believe he right. lost he lost somebody else within a, within a, a short span behind that. Um, I think he said he contemplated suicide for a moment. He was going through a lot mentally. So now that he has an opportunity where he's a change of scenery and he gets a chance to get back on the court and play the game that he loves after he thought it was about to be all taken away from him. Because you got to remember, when dudes get in a situation Mm -hmm. like John Wall and they go two, three years without playing at all, mentally, subconsciously, they look at that as a situation where, man, I really might be done with this. I might be out of the league for real. This might be my last shot. John Wall has a second chance at that with a new team in a a great situation. Uh, I believe of him this year. So kind of like when Carmelo was out for a while and then had a resurgence, you know, similar vibes. Yes, very, very similar, very similar, and 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 and, and the very and this and what it makes it even more similar is that you you both of those guys are put in situations where they don't have to be the guy. They're not they're not asked to do uh, what they were uh, what they were expected to do in their primes. You know, just give give the best version of what of what you have now, and um, and that will 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 propel this team um, to new heights. All big right. time, big time, All big right. time. You know that, what? Well, well, let's. You know what? Let's let's let a let's let a month go by in the NBA season, and uh, we'll circle back. Okay. Hundred percent, man. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. That wraps up season five, episode three. I'm your host for the day, Big Mike. Yours truly, my co-host for the day was Brandon Tim, fantasy football guru. Before we get up out of here. Brandon, let everybody know. Just plug in all your social medias, brother. Let everybody know where they can tap in with you. All right, all right. So first off, I'd love to have you all come and see the podcast that we got going on at Phantom Sports Industries. I am on the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm putting out episodes uh, Tuesday, Wednesdays, um, give you some fantasy insight. You know, we'll break down the previous week, preview the next week, et cetera, et cetera. 
And then you can follow us on Twitter, FSM underscore fantasy. We're on the gram at FSM underscore fantasy, and we're integrating TikTok, FSM underscore fantasy. Um, I'm at Twitter, at Brandon Tim. Um, if you guys want to follow me, go for it. Can't promise a whole lot. Just do a lot of retweeting on what I find is interesting. But, hey, if I can bring a little insight into your fantasy football teams, be my pleasure. So, no, thanks so much, Mike. Uh, shout out to Sebi. Hope you all are safe down there in the hurricane. Um, hope you all get out all right and uh, appreciate the time. All good. All good. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. Sebupodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, Sebby Podcast is wherever you go.